Recent headlines have alleged Chinese interference in Canadian elections, namely by backing candidates. What do the reports actually say? How does this all connect to the mysterious police stations that have connections to the CCP? And what about those balloons that were shot down? On this special edition of Return to Reason, I will be joined by a reporter from the Epoch Times as well as the vice president of a nonpartisan think tank as they give us the facts and the common sense analysis. What should Canadians really be paying attention to on this matter? Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. Well, hello, Noe. It's great to have you on Return to Reason today. Thanks for having me. We got a lot to talk on. There's been a, a couple things in the last week, to week and a half, that have been coming out regarding our, our Prime Minister, regarding potential uh, elections, regarding also um, the, the, the nation of China and, and being imparted in Canada. Can you just bring us up to speed in terms of with these leaked documents, what has been going on in the last little bit? Um, I think it started back in November when uh, Global News broke, uh, broke a story. Uh, they had access to official documents about uh, there being a number of federal candidates that were uh, funded by uh, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, and from that point on, um, there starting to be requests or uh, 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 inquiries as to you know what the, what the prime minister knew, what he uh, what he did about it. Um, so from that point on, uh, a number of, well, it, there's work that started also in the in the House of Commons committee, uh, having ministers testifying and to also to know what they what they have on the on the matter. Yes. Um, and the so. This was kind of a big revelation, but it, it hasn't stopped. It, it just kept growing and growing. So Global News, uh, Sam Cooper's done some great work. He's uh, he's uh, he's talking to uh, several individuals with access to documents or to knowledge about uh, briefings and these kinds of things. And then uh, a little bit later, then the Globe and Mail also started to talk with you know people releasing secret and top secret CSIS documents, uh, and so it it. It paints a, a picture of uh, of, uh, of, uh, of widespread uh, Chinese foreign interference. Uh, it has mostly focused on on elections, but yeah. uh, people know that, or you know, the government knows that it's it's much wider. The spectrum of activities is much broader than just uh, you know, elections. So, with these allegations, is anything conclusive? come to light yet or where are we in, in in these proceedings in terms of the blame game um it's hard to say anything conclusive that's that's kind of the defense that the government has taken is that uh intelligence can be unreliable yeah. uh, these leaks are unconfirmed there are inaccuracies um but at the end of the day you have to go back and see exactly what has been revealed and what has said and what's the context. For example, um, when you're talking about a briefing or a memo to the prime minister or a finished product, it's not just some random pieces of intel that they've picked and it's, uh, you know, um, they've there's, there's professional people that have looked at it and analyzed it against a massive body of reporting that spans over decades. So you receive a report, and you can you can you can match it against a picture that you already know, and then if it tracks, then you can pursue it further. So that's that's kind of my main takeaway is that 
what, what's been revealed is this is assessed intelligence. It's not, uh, it's not fluff. What has our current prime minister been saying regarding all of these allegations over the last couple of months? Um, the first, uh, the first defense he had was to say, I haven't been briefed on, uh, on, you know, money, Chinese money going to 11 candidates. And then his national security and intelligence advisor also said that at committee. And, uh, it's something that they've been recycling right now. Um, even if you ask, uh, the Privy Council office right now, which, uh, uh advises the prime minister and top officials. Uh, if you ask them about this, that's a line that they will also use. Oh, uh, you know, uh, the national security advisor, Jody Thomas, she already answered that question at committee and it's literally, we haven't seen the money going blah, blah, blah. Uh, so that's, that's been the main defense. Uh, also it's, it's been like, we haven't been briefed or, so I think this is, this is, uh, I think this is, this seems to be established that they have been briefed. Um, it, are they just playing on semantics uh, in the sense that, okay, they haven't seen the wire transfer, they haven't seen the exchange of money, they don't have a videotape where they see, a, you know, a, a suspected Chinese agent handing out a bag of cash. Um, are they trying to, you know, play on that word? Whereas do they have, you know, a number of reports that suggest that this has happened uh, and they, it, it's not conclusive? It's hard to say. So their defense mostly right now is that there's no... Uh, there's no uh, there's no strong enough evidence. Um, I think the Minister of Foreign Affairs last week also said, when asked why aren't we expelling diplomats, she said, uh, well, if there's a evidence, we'll do it, uh, yeah. essentially. So it means that they haven't seen some anything strong enough. But then her other defense will be to say, well, we don't want to have retaliation because if we expel their diplomats, they're going to expel ours, and that's going to impact consular cases and that kind of stuff. So uh, that on the foreign affairs angle is kind of two pronged. So which is it? Is it that there's no evidence or is it that you don't want to lose retaliation or is it a mix of both? And then you're trying to walk that fine line, but in the end, you're not taking any kind of diplomatic uh, uh, action other than maybe uh, summoning the, the, the ambassador or something like that. So um, the, the, that's, that's been one of the responses. The other, I think most people are aware of it, is uh, uh, the prime minister has been um, pressured enough that he uh, he called this press conference where he said he would appoint a special rapporteur. That was in the midst of people calling for a public inquiry. Uh, so he doesn't want to go down that, route, that, that road. Um, and the defense for that is to say that, well, we have committees, we have bodies. You know, we're limited in what we can provide the public anyway. So even if you have a public inquiry, it'll be the same. You won't be able to hear, you know, sit here or hear anything new because that's classified. Um, so that's kind of been the uh, the posture so far. So with his with him saying he'll actually select a special reporter to look into this, can we even trust that process at this point? Um, I won't be the judge the judge of that, but a lot of people have commented on that. Um, if I mean, he called it an independent rapporteur. If, if it's if it's appointed by the government, how independent can it be? Yes. Um, so that's 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 the main question. Um, and and then is it is it adding a, just a, another step of, of bureaucratic process uh, to make this um, this whole issue kind of run out run out of steam uh, because he's going to spend a lot of time evaluating the programs and this and that. And maybe in the end he he'll make a recommendation. 
um, that indeed there needs to be a public inquiry, there needs to be a light uh, uh, on this, uh, or he may not. How much effect could have this had like, actually had on election? When we look about the idea of, ex you talked about exchanging money, there, there's been obviously no silver bullet with that, but could this have actually had a cha helped this change the outcome of elections in the past? Like the reality, what could have actually have done? Uh, the government says no. Um, they've 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 had uh, bodies in place, and they say that the foreign interference didn't, didn't reach a tr uh, reach a threshold. So uh, all of them are singing the same tune. CISA's director as well, who's probably seeing the most uh, of, of of the uh, by far he's seeing the most uh, intel, and he's just said, yeah, you know, he has he hasn't rocked the boat. He, uh, he said it hasn't impacted. Um, in reality, when you kind of look at it now and you see, uh, you know, certain writings, I think the case of Kenny Chu in BC is is uh, is, is one of the probably the, the strongest one, um, where it's pointing to you know a, a kind of solid disinformation campaign against him uh, that could have uh, swung his seat. Um, and there's there's other cases too. Uh, I think some were discussed at committee last week. Um, some some writings that uh, that uh, that conservative had that and they, they suddenly lost uh, thousands of votes. Um, so I don't I don't I can't say for sure what was the process that led uh, led to that. Um, so does it mean that the, the 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 government was elected because of it? I, I so far it doesn't look that that way. Could it have swung some writings possibly? Uh, so so that's that's where we're at right now. And, and it's not just also the impact on the elections, it's after. What, like, it's what people need to realize. What happens if you do elect someone who's backed by a foreign state? Like, what is the impact on, on, our, on, our, on our politics? Uh, because these people automatically gain access uh, to, uh, to the Liberal caucus or the Conservative caucus or whichever party, they'll be sitting, you know, inside the, the the close circle of policymakers, and then they might even be appointed as uh, as ministers. Yeah. Then 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 they'll then they'll see secret information. They'll see very they'll see state secrets. Well, no way. Just uh, I'd love to chat with you longer about this. Let let our audience know where they can follow what you've been doing. You've been doing some great chasing and reporting on this. How can they follow you? Uh, well. It, Epoch Times website, uh, theepochtimes.com, uh, Canadian edition. Um, so I do a bit of reporting on, on, on that file. There's a lot of other reporters that, that cover it too. Uh, I'm on Twitter too, uh, uh, nchartier, E-T. Um, some of my work will be there as well. Awesome. I appreciate your time. Uh, we'll definitely do this again soon as the story keeps evolving. So thank you, Noe. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care. Conservatives want exactly the opposite of closed and controlled, we want open and independent. An open, independent, public inquiry to get to the truth and make sure it never happens again. We need to bring home control of our democracy. We actually just want to see solutions. We want to see real transparency around what's going on. We want Canadians to know what's going on. And we want to provide real, a real path towards protecting our democracy. We are a country of laws of rules, of evidence, and if we do not get concrete, clear evidence, we will not take action. That's what Canadians expect.
Well, I'm joined with a, a good friend of mine, uh, David Lease. He's a vice president of Frontier. David, thank you for joining us today. Good to be here. Well, it seems like there is uh, more and more scandals that keep surrounding the Liberal Party. It seems like this may be a potential one we're talking about with potential. I'm using the word potential because the Liberal government has is, is been denying a lot of this and, and saying nothing's conclusive. But Chinese interference, um, possibly in elections in our country, even to Chinese police stations we're finding out to vote in our country. I'm going to ask you, first of all, give me a 10,000 foot view as to what is happening right now in regards to the allegations and, and what has the response been from our, our, mm-hmm. our government. Well, those are great questions, David. Uh, quite frankly, this is a historic moment in uh, Canadian history uh, because uh, there's different questions that do need to be answered. Yeah. Um, and, and they're really, a, it's a profound moment in history. Why? Because it involves not just simply the Liberal Party of Canada, in this case, where there's, there's key questions that need to be answered about election interference in two elections, but also, um, I would argue, this has been a long simmering issue in the background of our country. And that is the, the larger relationship between the Communist Party of China and Canada. And this is a story that is quite frankly uh, seen in many different countries around the world, particularly in the Western countries, including Canada. And that is, do we have a relationship that is, um, is, uh, is, is frankly uh, guided by um, integrity? Is, there, uh, is it a relationship that serves Canadians well? And so we really need to get at that. So this is a case study that needs to be addressed. Um, the The whole fact is that um, this type of, uh, if, the, if the documents are true, and there's every reason to believe that, these are very serious questions that need to be addressed. Um, whether they're uh, treason, uh, we're not quite sure yet, wow. but this is a, a very important issue that leads us to... Um, whether, frankly, Canadians can have confidence in our electoral system yeah. and, uh, and in this government. Well, treason is, a, is obviously a very strong word and something that should be considered. And I, I guess my first question I want to dive into, you talk about the relationship between China and Canada. Um, and Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, um, before him, our, our previous prime minister was Stephen Harper. The question I'm asking is, has the relationship with China progressed a lot in that transition under the the current liberal government versus how it was under the Harper government? How has that changed or grown? It's not entirely sure, but we do know that China has long waged for many years um, efforts to try to um, move into every sector of society. And I've seen this um, uh, as well from my own experience working with um, various partners within, within China. But the whole point is that if we look at the business sector, the uh, transfer of intellectual property to Chinese companies uh, so that they can better manufacture things in China is all part of how they operate. This has been a long time identified issue uh, in conversations with senior persons within uh, intelligence in Canada and police this is one of their major challenges is, is Chinese espionage. But it also comes in the form that many Canadians don't realize. And that is that if a company is going to manufacture in China, where there's so many uh, Canadian companies doing manufacturing, they have to uh, engage in a particular type 
of commercial relationship where the Chinese own 51% and the Canadian entity owns 49%. But as a rule, they do have to transfer their intellectual property. Um, so this says um, a real uh, a challenge for Canadians because ultimately our standard of living, our economic future uh, for our children are quite frankly based on ultimately intellectual property. So these are very strategic issues that quite frankly need to be examined as a country. Globe and Mail released an article, I believe it was back in November. Since then, or sorry, Global did. Since then, Globe and Mail has had a, had a couple. And now also CSIS, there's documents that have been come out and as well as CSIS has been, uh, call it conveniently tweeting around uh, certain times of, this has been escalating over the last week or so. What are the current accusations or allegations that are, are, are being thrown at um, the Liberal government regarding um, China and their interference, potential well, interference? Essentially, the accusations are very serious. And I think we're seeing really the tip of the iceberg. And those accusations mm -hmm. revolve around the Communist Party of China really interfering in the last two elections, where you may recall that the Trudeau government uh, got a minority, um, uh, minority numbers in their election. And uh, the the the, the accusations are very serious, and that is to funnel illegally uh, major donations to key ridings that allowed the Liberal Party to win those ridings against their, their Conservative counterparts. And in this case, they funneled the money through third-party proxies. Okay. And secondly, there was a misinformation campaign, um, and that misinformation um, took different forms that clearly would resonate with those particular writings. So one example was uh, the claim was that there was misinformation spread that if the Conservatives won, that they would deny visas for Chinese students to attend and study at uh, colleges and universities. So you can see how this type of campaign made a significant difference uh, potentially within writings where the margin of difference was only a few thousand votes at most. Wow. So propaganda actually could have played a difference with our past elections, you're saying, with election interference. Yeah, it's really propaganda as well as uh, financial contributions. But this is only part of what we know. So there's the belief that there's actually uh, many more things and we could speculate about what those are. So in many ways, this is just the tip of the iceberg. And so that's the whole point is that the electoral system is not owned by any particular party. It's owned by the people of this country. And so it needs to be safeguarded and uh, guarded uh, for its integrity so that all of us can have confidence in any outcome of any election. And, and you know, I think the, the government's approach to kind of stonewalling or frankly uh, refusing to really just uh, launch an inquiry raises major questions. What are they afraid of? David, to be honest, it feels the term election interference unfortunately, in the last number of years, it almost feels like it's been watered down with the amount of times you've heard it from in the states with different elections. You've seen delays um, in different states as they're counting and, and all these things, election meddling. So it almost feels from conversations I've been having with friends that people, I don't think, grasp what it really means and the potential outcome and, and how that's dangerous for our country. Do you mind just diving in really briefly about mm -hmm. why why does someone care about that potential election interference and and how is that dangerous for us? Our election system is um, pretty high functioning within Western democracies. It's a system that 
um, a lot of us would have a high degree of confidence in. And that's important. It's important because if Canadians are going to have confidence in the outcome, you need to know that the system is working as it should. And when a foreign nation um, interferes, not just in a peripheral way through uh, bits of social media and things like that, it's profoundly troublesome. And I think what's very troublesome is that the Trudeau government clearly uh, knew that this was happening. They were briefed on the matter by intelligence officials and uh, it appears that they did not do anything about it. In fact, they did not want to proactively deal with it by having a public, accountable, transparent inquiry. You, you just mentioned that uh, our government was briefed by CSIS. Are they denying that at all? Well, the, the record has been by the prime minister initially yeah. that uh, this was a non-issue. And then the pattern was to deny that, in fact, they were aware of it. And then later on, it was admitted that well, there was a briefing of it. So we are getting contradictory stories and messages and they keep changing. And when that happens, you know, a government is frankly on the defensive and there needs to be some very important reckoning of what the facts are. And I think they owe that to Canadians because again, our electoral system is not owned by a particular party. It's owned by the Canadian people. And that's what it needs to be safeguarded. So between if I'm sure everyone remembers these these balloons that were from from China that were floating over North America, parts of Canada at different times. You look at these um, Chinese police stations, which are, are I've at least been made aware of in the last week or so regarding one in Vancouver, several in in southern Ontario, um, even Quebec and Montreal. You look at candidates being paid or potentially being paid, the influence of Chinese um, Chinese diplomats in our country. Um, allegations about the current liberal government is all of this just political semantics and, and and tactics to to maybe come against our current government or is there a connection between all of these? Well, I think there is a connection among all these things and more in the sense that China is a under the Chinese Communist Party is a, certainly an emerging superpower. And yes. their aim, as uh, expressed in so many public pronouncements as well as plans, is to really uh, supplant the, the U.S. Um, hegemony or, or influence of the United States. And I think that Canada is very much caught within that kind of dynamic. And uh, China is a very aggressive, a very assertive at uh, demonstrating that. China does not approach um, these things through the idea of having a a kinetic or hot war. It's all about doing this through um, ways that are more subtle and not so subtle uh, behind the scenes. So when you have um, uh, incursions of surveillance balloons or or whatever they were, um, and uh, there's kind of a, um, a, 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 frankly, um, initially there was a a kind of a denial that these were significant, and then eventually they they became shot down by... Uh, NORAD uh, forces, you have a situation where Canada has to look at many different factors and realize that Canada's relationship with China needs to be examined. I've seen this kind of relationship in every sector of Canadian society, whether it's in the post-secondary realm, where you have all kinds of Chinese researchers gaining information access to, uh, frankly, sensitive information. You have the fact is that uh, many businesses are very tied closely to China. So you have relationships that beg the question, how is this relationship 
serving Canadians. So this is all very much interrelated. So, right, sir, just to get this straight, the Liberal government and Justin Trudeau are, at the beginning were basically saying there's, this is not important. They're almost denying in a sense. And now are they, have they accepted that? I guess the question I'm asking is, are they complicit or ignorant in this? And do we, do we know which, which direction that would be? Well, I, in my opinion, I think it's very clear that the, um, uh, the, the prime minister and the leadership are very much aware of many elements of this influence, but don't want to talk about it. And I think their recent appointment of a so-called um, intermediary or a third party on their behalf to investigate this is just simply, um, frankly, unbelievable, because yeah. this is like, um, uh, you know, it's not a, a third credible third party objective investigation. Um, you need to have an inquiry that is transparent, allows people to get at the real facts and not just have a proxy for the prime minister investigate himself yes exactly because that right now it seems tough to have his own special reporter to be trust the process of that especially if it's you're being accused of that direction that is so in in your opinion which what are some likely potential outcomes with where this goes i'm not asking you to look in a crystal ball and predict the future but what path likely is this to walk down over the next couple of months Mm. Well, I, I think that um, this could be a very serious confidence issue, not only for this government, um, you know, as I think many Canadians are increasingly aware, if you look yeah. at um, a variety of public opinion polls, you see that Canadians are increasingly aware that uh, the relationship with the Communist Party of China is challenged, and that they take a kind of a skeptical view of how China's interests serve Canadian interests, obviously. So I think within that context, um, you know, our relationship with foreign powers, including uh, the People's Republic of China, specifically the Communist Party, is um, is very much in question. We need to be, uh, frankly, um, aware of what's going on in terms of the influence in our society across the board, and we need to take a hard look at it. Do you think COVID had um, a a, a place to raise awareness for what the CCP has been and trying to do is because COVID, COVID brought that a lot to light? Well, I think that's a very good question. Uh, COVID-19 raised the bar in terms of, I think, many Canadians' recognition that uh, the relationship with China has been challenged. Yeah. We know that from the very beginning, there are questions about the origins of COVID-19, um, I think there's many different reports now, and more, most recently, two weeks ago, with the Department of Energy in the United States, confirming that the origins of the uh, virus came from the Wuhan lab. Um, whether it was deliberate or not is, uh, is a bit of a debate. And I think China's response to COVID-19 was very telling. Mm-hmm. They locked down the, uh, the province within uh, the, where Wu, the Wuhan lab is based, but they continued to allow international flights. And this, uh, in effect, uh, spread the virus uh, first to Italy and then uh, around um, the world. And um, their inability to follow their agreement with the World Health Organization, namely WHO, was, um, was a far from stellar moment where they, they frankly did not share information about the nature of the virus as they were supposed to, according to that agreement. Every signatory to that agreement needs to share it within hours um, of learning about a virus that's potentially a challenge. So the, the, the conduct of the regime has really been abhorrent. 
And I think people are finally realizing uh, what, what's been going on. Well, this story is going to continue to evolve over the next number of weeks and months. As you said, you use the word historic, and, and it's definitely precedent setting in our country. Um, and I, I, whoever's watching, when you're watching right now, I urge you to continue to follow this story. It, it's extremely important for Canadian citizens to be aware and to know what's going on. As, as you mentioned, David, the implications are, are potentially huge regarding this. How can viewers follow you and what Frontier is doing if you do have more opinions and thoughts on, on this emerging story? Well, frankly, I would um, encourage them to follow us on our website at uh, FCCPP.org. And I would think they would need to follow the mainstream media, um, the larger media networks, because it's interesting. For once, it seems that the, the mainstream media is actually taking a skeptical approach to this issue. And that's uh, kind of a telling moment. So I think that they should be watching um, all these networks, including yours, um, on this story. You said it well. It's a very telling moment. Either the pendulum is swing or the story is too hot to, to deny in a sense. But thank you, David. Appreciate your time. We'll have to do this again as the story keeps emerging. My pleasure. You are an essential part of this series. Support truth, knowledge, and wisdom by sharing this show with a friend. Visit returntoreason.tv. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter by clicking Become an Insider. Get the latest articles, episodes, and exclusive content. It's Return to Reason.